Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. It's the last one for 10 plus days. I know it. I know it. (laughs) I'm Ben Glicksman. I'm with my tag team partner, Matt Story. ASU football has returned to practice, as has everyone else in college and the pro game. But we're not going to talk about anyone else. We're going to talk about ASU's uh, practices. Uh, This is separate and apart from our college football and NFL preview that you are going to get when we come back in the August 23rd-ish range. Right, right, yes. But uh, Matt, Herm's got the boys in fall camp for the first time, and if you're an ASU fan, everything is going according to plan, whatever that plan is. Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, if you can't be optimistic at the beginning of August, when can you be? And, and, you know, that's, that's... probably the case uh, as you said every team around the country is in practice and i'm sure every fan base every coaching staff uh you know at least publicly is, is saying all the right things um you know obviously behind the scenes we don't know what they're thinking and if they're thinking boy we got you know we got problems here we got problems there um but yeah you know uh so far so good um knock wood you know no injuries to this point obviously they're gonna come but hopefully uh not a lot and hopefully you know not severe and you know you just hope you get good luck in that department obviously as much as possible um and yeah we're we're off and running and less than four weeks till the opener the first thing i want to address is on the coaching staff front and then we can get into the players Uh, this is just very quick but there was an article in the republic about danny gonzalez finds Mm -hmm. the hottest time of day and then runs (laughs) 4.2 miles he's a crazy person that, yeah. like, that is a health yeah, threat yeah. in Phoenix. Yeah, I know, boy, I know. I mean, uh, yeah, I have, uh, uh, you know, I walk outside uh, here a lot. I try to usually do it in the evenings or early mornings this time of year. There have been some days lately where, you know, a couple where I've walked more like, you know, three in the afternoon uh, because I wouldn't be able to go when I, you know, in the evening. And it is brutal. And I don't I don't run and I don't go 4.2 miles. I don't, I don't know how... Uh, how the body can withstand that, but good for him that he can. It's along the lines of uh, the idea. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I wouldn't do myself, but I I think that you can't ask players to run Uh, uh, four miles in 117 degree heat. So he's doing more on that specific front. He is. He is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Hey, like I said, good for him and, and he must be in good shape and in good health. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, you certainly cannot. I mean, that article did talk about how you know he's he's looked at some of the Cush teams and he even said you know can't do the things that they did back then. And no, you can't. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, some of those stories that we you know in in classic the way we view sports, we've talked about this with other things and you know athlete behavior and stuff like that. You know, we tell these stories from 30, 40, 50 years ago with smiles on our faces and talk about the good old days. But you try to do that now, and you're getting fired. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's nice for him, but no, you, you cannot have your team out doing that. That'll be recipe for disaster. I'm reminded of the ESPN movie, the Tom Berenger vehicle right. junction boy, right. where basically the premise of the movie was he tried to kill his players in <laughs> desert workouts. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, times have changed and I don't know how, how accurate that really was about bear Brian. I, I think relatively so. 
And I'm sure a lot of coaches did that. I'm sure stuff that Frank Cush did with those teams would, would you know, make people shudder nowadays if it happened now. Again, we, we tell the stories, and it's like, ah, oh, boy, those were the days. But nobody really wants those days to come back because if you tried to, people would, would, would shriek in terror. Absolutely. That's absolutely the case. As far as the team itself, the reports out of camp seem to be that up to seven or eight first-year players, yeah. whether it be transfers or freshmen, uh, are expected to dress and play. Merlin Robinson, the uh, Robertson, the right. linebacker who was the number one rated recruit, um, came in late as a Herm recruit. Mm-hmm. Is already taking reps with the first team at linebacker. There's talk about uh, the transfer offensive linemen are both potentially yeah. going to start. Sounds like Tucker for sure at left tackle unless something unexpected happens. Yeah, so it is going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I like that. I, you know, especially on defense, we've we, you know, we've heard a lot about how there's just not a lot of returning talent, a lot, a lot of returning depth. Um, you know, do you have? I mean, that's one of the things Haller and Metcalf have discussed is, especially in the secondary, do we have enough guys to play this type of defense? well um so we're gonna need some impact from those guys you know i mean we we don't have a lot back defensively from last year's group uh, i mean outside of chase lucas and kobe williams who were the starters at the corners and probably will be again um you know it's it's mostly uh, uh jobs are up for grabs pretty much everywhere else um and and so you know i i like hearing that and, and you know they're gonna have their bumps um like any freshman does uh, as good you know as some freshmen are they still have struggles and these guys are going to have some uh, but you know I'm, I'm okay with getting them out there if they're if they're athletically ready to play let's get them out there and you know again I don't view this year as a rebuilding year but this is if you want to call it anything a honeymoon year um, as much as it can be and so this is the year to, to take your lumps and, and you know again as we've talked about the, the bar is set high and it's not set for long term and so you know you gotta have these guys ready if you're gonna make noise in 19 and 20 like you should you better get some impact from these guys and have them ready to go then you expect that Karan Crump will occupy one of the starting positions yeah Jalen Harvey's been hurt and missed some time in camp but with everything they said, he's expected to be one of the safeties. Mm-hmm. I saw on the initial depth chart that Metcalf had J.J. Wilson in a backup linebacker role. I saw that too, yeah, which is a surprise because he was kind of thought to be a uh, you know a star or standout of spring practice. Um, so I don't know what to make of that or if there's anything to make of it. Obviously right now it's it's dangerous to read into stuff like that too much. But yeah, I was a little surprised by that. I think that for me, the biggest surprise, Crump got hurt early in the year, and it's not shocking to me that he's on his way back and, right. and practicing. Seeing that Joey Bryant is in the two deep um, yeah. is yeah. kind of a stunner, I think. At this because point, of the injury? Yeah, because yeah. I, I'm surprised he's able to practice yeah. and go yeah. full go at this point because he got True. hurt. I mean, he, he didn't get hurt in week one or two. It was. Halfway no, through the it year. was about halfway, I think, yeah, about week five or six, maybe, somewhere around the end of September, early October, I think, yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I think right around our, didn't we have a bye around mid-season, and I think he got hurt 
around then because he didn't get hurt in a game. He got hurt in practice, didn't he? Yeah, and, and he, he just kind of came out that he was done. Yeah, and and he missed everything. He missed the bowl. He missed spring. Right. And, right, and right. I expected to hear, you know, he's working his way back. They're going to hope to work him in by the end of the year. But it sounds like he'll be ready to go week one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that secondary is going to be very interesting. And, and probably the biggest swing point of this season is how that group shakes out and who, who takes those spots. There's a lot of names. We just don't know how good those guys are going to be and how, how deep it can be, too. I mean. Um, when you're going to play five DBs most of the time and you want to, I mean, as Gonzalez has apparently said, he wants to be able to have his first and second teams be interchangeable as much as that's ever realistic. Um, you know, you're talking about needing 10 guys to effectively play that defense. I don't know if we've got that. Um, but, you know, if he's if he's healthy enough to play, that can only help, I would think. The secondary really is going to be interesting. I know that they're saying Crosswell is going to be an impact yeah. player. One of the guys last year who we took the red shirt off, who I'm curious to see, is Evan Fields and, and right. what they're going to do with him because he showed flashes, but he got you know passed on the depth chart and was kind of gone by that yeah. Arizona game. Yeah, yeah, he, he had his he had his ups and downs, uh, like I you know like I said, true freshmen do when they get in there and. Um, but you know, they, they seem to like him. This this staff seems to like him. It seems, I mean, I've, I've heard he's, you know, a projected starter for what that's worth right now. Again, not much, but, um, but you know, I, I think there's some, some hope there, you know, DeMonte King is a name I don't hear about much anymore, but he's still around and he was a, a part-time starter last year. Um, you haven't heard a lot of buzz about him, but I, I feel like he's still a factor, I would think. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. All these guys, well, most of them, were recruited to play a different style of defense, and now they're having to learn this style, obviously, and, and uh, that's going to be the money question about this team. I mean, there's other areas, obviously, that are important offensively, too, but uh, if the secondary can be passable, you know, get a, get a you know, B-minus, C-plus type of grade for the year, I think we can be a decent team. We can have a winning record. But if it's if it's not, then you know that's where four and eight, five and seven kind of starts to come into play. I think. On the other side of the ball, a guy who's going to be a major factor in whether or not this team's successful is Manny Wilkins, and he was the subject of a sure. fairly in-depth feature story. Yeah, yeah, that, very interesting. You know, Heller's finding new ways to to talk to guys. He went on the hike with Bobby uh-huh. Hurley, and then for this, he went to uh, a meal with yeah. him with Manny and yeah. you learned a couple things one that you know Manny's been hurt a lot more yeah. than Graham ever let on in the media Certainly which, in 2016 more more than I mean I guess we didn't really know his injury last year he broke his all, toe yeah. apparently last year too apparently yeah yeah but certainly I mean you and I talked you could probably go back and find the recordings if you wanted to um at Colorado game in week six of 2016 which was kind of a a swing point of that season, um, you know, because we were four and one, and right, we were four and one, right, or five and one, something like five that. Five and at that one. Point. We were five uh, and yeah. one after beating UCLA. Yeah, we beat UCLA, yeah, and he played in Colorado, and and I remember I I wasn't I wasn't home to watch the game. I went to a hockey game that night, but you were you were giving me updates, and everything just screamed out that he had no business being out there. And he didn't. It was very obvious he did not. Now, after reading that story, he was 
not anywhere close to healthy and should not have been out there. The other thing that's weird about that is DSC didn't play well in the UCLA game, but you you burned his red shirt. You might right. as well just trot him out, especially exactly. when it was clear that exactly. Manny, you know. It, it just it, didn't make sense. It didn't make sense at the time, and it makes even less sense now that we know more information because he'd already played, and he was your backup now at the least. I mean, because Brady White was done for the year. So why were – I mean, and Colorado was good. Like, you were probably not going to win that game even with a healthy Manny Wilkins on the road. That was the year Colorado won the Pac-12 South. They won 10 games. It was a good team. And so I'm not saying you go up there and tank the game, but to to go all in with that and then he gets more injured and then he gets you know injured again against Washington State, which you know you always factor in, does he get injured against Washington State? If he's healthier going into that game, maybe he doesn't take the hit that injures his shoulder. And then, you know, that whole season unravels, basically. I mean, look, the defense was terrible, and there were other reasons. But certainly him getting injured helped push along that six-game losing streak to end that year. It's one of those things where retrospect, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But yeah. when you read the article, it, it seems like Graham didn't really set Manny up for success that year. No, no and, I don't think he did. Yeah. And... I, I wonder what would have happened if Brady White hadn't been hurt. Would they have let Brady White play those? You'd have to games? think so. You'd have to think. I mean, I think the, I think, I think you know, coaches are, are focused, and, and we do it as fans too. We we look at the immediate. We look at what's right in front of us. This team's five and one, and we're, we're we were getting votes for the top twenty-five. I believe we might have even been ranked in one of them after beating UCLA. I think we were like 24-25 in the coaches' poll. And you probably start thinking, man, this team, we can make a run here. We can win nine, ten games. We can win the South. And you start to get antsy. And then, you know, Brady White gets hurt. And you're probably thinking, well, we can't do that with a true freshman quarterback. We've got to get Manny out there. And, and, and it just it backfired tremendously. And, and again, I mean, with, with that came more focus on how bad our defense was. You know, we had won a couple games, the Texas Tech game, the Cal game, scoring, you know, 50-plus points. We weren't able to do that with a with a subpar Manny Wilkins. And, and it, you know, then our defense just unraveled as the year went along. The re- other things that were interesting in that article were, you know, the whole Blake Barnett story. Yeah. And honestly, a little bit of, Surprise, because it seems like Manny's reaction was the same as ours, which was, uh-huh. oh, we'll, we brought him in to start. Oh, we're bringing yeah. in Billy Napier from Alabama. So we must be bringing him in to start. Sure. And sure. and apparently everyone thought that except Billy Napier, because it sounded uh, like yeah. Graham thought that too, and Chip Lindsay uh, thought that before he left. True, true. I mean, you wonder if, if you know Chip Lindsay was a big uh, you know part of his recruitment, and, and maybe if he stays – things transpire differently i don't know but yeah it was it was interesting you know you always hear it's always funny because when when the guys hear you know you hear the the cliche speak and you know we're all working together we're all you know good we get along blah 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 well you know then you you know the the curtain comes down a little bit as time passes and obviously you know you, you see from those comments that manny wilkins wasn't too happy with that for a while and he admitted you know wrongly basically kind of you know tuned out the coaches and and withdrew you know in some ways from being invested in the team and 
you know, give him credit for admitting that he realized that was immature and, and you know, coming back and working hard because a lot of quarterbacks don't. I mean, you, that's why you see all these transfers now. We expected it. I know I did. So, you know, the second that Blake Barnett committed, the first thing you and I, I think, talked about was, well, Manny's probably gone. Um, and, you know, because you thought, well, he's not going to stay with a guy who's younger and behind him. He's probably out the door and and he hung in there and he kept the job and had a pretty good year last year. Now Blake Barnett's gone. So it, it goes to show you, you never quite know what's going to happen. But but it was interesting to, you know, hear a little bit more unfiltered thoughts on how all that happened. Absolutely. He's going to be critical this year. You know, as oh, you and I have talked about, the offense – has a lot of pieces. Running back aside, mm-hmm. uh, you know, skill position players are back to the extent the tight ends have any impact on how they play. That right. you know, we're not relying on freshmen there either. And the line is mostly veterans, um, yeah. either yeah. of our team or of the conference. So yeah, it, it should be a pretty good offense, and it needs to be. Uh, you know, again, we talked. I mentioned you know the secondary needs to be passable. The offense needs to be good. I mean, we're, we're not going to be very good if the offense is just average. Uh, we, we are going to need to probably win a, a game or two or three by scoring, you know, 35 to 42, somewhere around their points, because we're going to give up that many points. Um, and, and so, you know, there's, there's going to be games where we need that offense to score a lot and move the ball and hold on to the ball and not turn it over and not have quick three and outs. And things like that are going to go a long ways toward helping it probably not so good defense be average um and and so yeah i mean we got a we got a senior quarterback we have an all-american wide receiver uh veteran offensive line behind the all-american receiver we've got a lot of talent back there uh so there's no reason not to now that's all with the caveat and one of the things i you know i went to practice saturday night and it was very it, you know it hits right in the face we got two healthy scholarship quarterbacks right now I don't know what's going on with Ryan Kelly. I didn't know he was injured, but apparently he's not even throwing. So it's hard to believe he's going to be a factor at all this year. And so, yeah, Manny getting hurt would be disastrous, in all honesty. I mean, not to say Manny Wilkins is a Heisman Trophy candidate, but he's hugely important to stay healthy and productive all year to this team. Well, and I don't even know if there is a – what was the kid's name? Jack Smith? Was that – Tracy Smith's son. Not Tracy's kid, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know if we even have that guy on the roster, the guy who's like – Well, we've got, we've got three – I think there were three or four guys. I, so I got a copy of the roster that they were handing out at practice, and there was maybe three or four quarterbacks on there that are obviously walk-ons because I'd never heard of them before. Um, you know, So we've got, we've got some bodies, at least for practice, but certainly not guys that you want to be playing when the, when the bullets are flying for real. So you know, basically you've got right now two – Again, not knowing what's going on with Ryan Kelly, I, I mean, tell did I miss something? I didn't know he was injured. Did you know that? No, I mean, I had. I mean, I don't remember anything. being injured in the spring, so I don't know when this happened. Well, I don't know what it is. I don't know anything about it. I guess it's a shoulder. Apparently, um, that's that's what I mean. I that's all I've heard. And Herb Edwards says he's not even throwing yet, so that's kind of concerning. Uh, more than kind of. Now, again, hopefully it doesn't matter. Hopefully he's going to be your third stringer and Manny can stay healthy and, you know, Sterling Cole can play some, you know, minutes at the end of games if you need somebody to come in and mop up in wins or losses. Let's be honest, there's probably going to be 
you know, a couple games at least, hopefully just a couple, that we might need somebody to just mop up at the end when we're getting beat. Uh, and, and you know, that's the ideal. Those guys both stay healthy and you're good. But, yeah, it's not much room for error. And especially, you know, Manny's been hurt both years. He's been the starter. Uh, so you start to wonder, like, you know, now he played every game last year, but obviously he was injured. And guys get injured. It's football. So can you withstand um, any sort of injury there? I don't. I don't know if you can. That's that's a huge key for this team. When we just talked about, you know, clearly Kelly didn't get hurt in a game, so no. you really got to be careful with the practice and what you, right. you know, what you do right. with these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, I like what Sterling Cole can do. Uh, you know, I like it. You know, I think he's got some potential, but I don't really want to see him play this year. Now, maybe if he does play, he'll surprise us and he'll have, you know, a great debut or, you know, not really debut, but, you know, if he would get forced into action, maybe he'll be a shocker and he'll be great. But I'd rather wait till 2019 for him to have his opportunity. Like, you know, again, I'm not saying Manny is the greatest quarterback in the nation or even the best in the conference because he's probably not, but he's pretty good. We know what we've got in him. He's he's won some big games. He's played well in big games. And, and obviously, you know, the, the biggest – well, maybe not the biggest, but one of the biggest keys to this year is him, you know, being healthy and productive for 12 to 13 games, hopefully 13 games. I, the other thing about Manny is he's played in big games, period. You know, right, he, right. he's played in multiple games yeah, as a starter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, Sterling Cole has, what, one start? And maybe and three they, appearances yeah. uh, total. I mean, he played UCLA, and I think he made it played at the end against Colorado, and then he started at Oregon. And then, was, I guess, the Washington State game, too, when, when Manny got knocked out. So he played, you know, a few games, but not a lot. One start at Oregon, that's it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Manny has been there and done that. He's He started at most of the road venues in the conference. Uh, and, you know, not always with success, admittedly. He started at Washington. They got blown out. Um, but, you know, he's been there. Uh, he's played in those games. He's played in those atmospheres. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I, again, not to not to act like he's going to win the Heisman or he's the most valuable player in the nation, but he's hugely valuable to us just given what he is and what we've got behind him, which isn't a ton. Yeah. Um, moving away from ASU because – there's still one whole ASU preview podcast to That's go, right. plus right. some other stuff. Um, but as we move away from ASU and talk about a completely different sport, we mentioned before the Tony Parker era has come to an end for the Spurs. Mm-hmm. And he, along with American Express, wrote a right. Players <laughs> Tribune article. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how you get articles sponsored, but maybe that's what newspapers need to uh, I guess, start doing. I guess, yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. But uh, so he goes and writes a very touching article about the Spurs way and the Spurs culture yeah. and, and pop. And uh, to me, and then I'll let you go because it's your team and they're your guys. But But to me, the big takeaway was I really enjoyed his comment about the Spurs way, which is pop's way is consistent good or bad for you you know when he took someone else's spot or when he got the second chance to practice uh before the draft for the team right that was because pop saw something and wanted to to do it just like when it was 
Murray's turn to take over as the starting yeah. point guard. Yeah, you know, or to sit him on the pine in 2003. I mean, I. I vividly remember the 2003 NBA Finals Game 6 when they clinched the title. He was terrible. And, and Speedy Claxton played, I think, the entire fourth quarter and, and helped them win that game. I mean, Parker was just not good. Uh, you, know, you know, he was young. He was 20 years old at the time, I believe. Um, so, the, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, some of the things he mentioned were things that I remember. And, and I remember after that Finals thinking, boy, I don't, is Tony Parker really ready for this uh, i mean like they won the title but they had that chance to get jason kidd which didn't end up happening and and you know it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because parker blossomed into this you know hall of fame level player um but yeah you know there there were i thought i just thought it was it was really well done um i mean it, it was no perfect as far as uh, you know talking about the people there and, and it really, you know, it gave you the feeling and, you know, people laugh at this and, you know, and, and look, I do too sometimes in sports. But reading that is kind of like that's the reason why being a Spurs fan has felt special for the last couple decades because it just, you know, the stuff he put into words was like, man, this is this is what the difference has been in this team. And, it, and he, he made it clear. It all emanated from Tim Duncan. That's kind of where it started. And, and it, you know, I guess, I guess Tim Duncan is one of those guys who seems like what you saw was what he was. And so many of our star athletes, they're packaged into commercial stars. We get the public image of them, and we don't know if the private image is really the same. And I think with Tim Duncan, you kind of feel like, yeah, but what he was is what he is. And he wasn't packaged any different way. This is just what he was, and it was great for them, obviously. Yeah. It- you know the the line he had, which I thought was very on point for what you're talking about. He he was the most coachable player, yeah, and the best player on yeah. the team. And, yeah. Yeah. and it's yeah. hard I mean, for anyone else. You know, when he was talking about, it's hard for people to come in and all of a <laughs> sudden say, "Well, I'm not doing that." When Tim Duncan's doing it, and Tim Duncan's exactly. an All NBA exactly. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were. They were incredibly blessed to have a player like him for as long as they did. And certainly all that's gone on the last year or so with Kawhi Leonard has really shown that very clearly. Um, and, you know, and that's not to knock Kawhi Leonard. That's just the reality of the NBA nowadays. This is what happens sometimes. And they didn't have to worry about it. You know, the Spurs had about a 20-plus, really, if you go back to David Robinson, almost 30-year run where they were kind of above the fray. Their star was different. They, they didn't kind of fall into the same things, and, and Duncan, even more so than Robinson, um, didn't really seek the limelight, didn't want the limelight, just wanted to kind of be there and get his business done. And yes, he got paid handsomely, don't get me wrong. He did. Um, but, you know, that was it. He didn't want to be a star. He just wanted to be a great basketball player. And, and it really, I mean, the words that he put in there just kind of validate that even more, that, like, you know, this is this is why it felt like being a Spurs fan was something special because of Tim Duncan and then everything that went with Parker and Ginobili and I was I mean it was just it was great to read uh, you know I thought I, I I was glad that he made amends or at least tried to with Kawhi Leonard I know there's been some talk that there's frostiness between them because of what he said um, you know he called him out specifically for helping win the title in fourteen. I thought it was really well done. I don't know if he wrote every word itself or had help, but either way, it was awesome. 
Yeah, I think that they, I think they handled it very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just and it, and it's been handled well all around. I mean, the, the Spurs have basically said, you know, hey, as soon as you're done, you're welcome back here. You're always a Spur, you know, or retire your number, all that. Um, you know, he's got an opportunity to play somewhere else, and it's uh, I hate to see him play somewhere else, but that's the business. Um, and and I feel like everybody's just been very mature and professional about it, which is cool because in these days you don't often see that well and i'm sure he wanted to go play with batum yeah you know. yeah yeah i mean it's a good opportunity and hey if he I mean, here's the thing if he wants to keep playing which is his right the opportunity really wasn't going to be there with san antonio and he kind of knew that um murray is the point guard of the future and if charlotte's going to give him more money and more playing time you know that's that's great for him i mean like you can't begrudge him that opportunity and uh, you know, is it going to be awkward to see him in another uniform? Yeah, but again, that sports happens all the time nowadays. I think he will get a warm reception. In Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, uh, I don't. I, Ginobili still hasn't said what he's doing, but obviously, if he does retire, then that's that's officially the end of that group. Um, but you know, it's it was going to come sometime, and and uh, one hell of a run can't. Can't complain about it one bit. So we go from something very, very nice to something a little awkward. The NFL Hall of Fame inductions happened, and T.O. declined to attend in order Uh to give his speech at his alma mater, Chattanooga, which he didn't do for himself. He did for them, and he (laughs) made sure to say that at the end. It wasn't about him. Uh, though in a Michael Jordan-esque uh, speech, he sw- took swipes <laughs> at a lot of people, including the Hall yeah. of Fame itself, yeah. and and then proceeded to try out for a Canadian Football <laughs> League team the next day. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Let me ask your opinion. If, let's say someone else, let, let's pick someone who's kind of media, let's say Brian Urlacher, this year's guy, you know, pretty media-friendly guy, well-liked. If he had said, you know, I really want to share this with the people closest to me. I'm going to do something in New Mexico, small school, kind of the same type of thing. Not going to be there. Took a different spin on it. Don't you think people would have loved it? Don't you think people would have said, man, this is awesome that he wants to be with the people who are close to him and not make a big show of it. It's, it's all perception. And I feel, I mean, now T.O. didn't go about it in a great way. But I feel like somebody else could have done this and been adored for it. I... I'm not sure that's true. I don't think you get to because, and then I think the difference is a guy like Erlacher wouldn't do this. Is well, I, I, I don't I, I don't think you get to skip it. Now, if what Erlacher said was, "Hey, look, I'm I'm going to come to the ceremony. I'm very yeah. excited, but I'm going to give a really big speech," you know, before the New Mexico home opener, right? Or right. that. You know, so if, if at the Hall of Fame he says, you know, this is a really big honor, I appreciate it, thank you so much, it, it means the world to me, thank you to the Bears, yeah. thank you to everyone, yeah. um, I'm going to be attending this game, uh, I have a lot more thoughts, and if you want to hear yeah, them, I, I uh, suppose. Because yeah. I don't think you get to skip it. If you There's a place that you can do that. And, you know, you know I, if, if you're, yeah. you're being honored, turn it, there's, it is a difficult rope to walk and i'm not sure it's possible um to 
accept the honor, but decline to attend. Right, right. You know? Like, now, what's your thought, and I'll just ask it open-ended before giving mine, on this notion that, you know, they're going to require people to commit to attending before voting on them as semi-finalists. I think that's dumb. I do, too. Absolutely. Uh, like, <laughs> not not the least of which being, what if Jerry Kramer had passed away? <laughs> well, yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, obviously that's, you know, a big thing. And, and But, you know, I mean, let's, let's, let's go into you say, yep, I'll be there. And then you've got, you know, a family emergency that weekend and you can't be there. You're going to say, oh, never mind, you're out. You're getting an award for being a really good football player. Right. It has nothing right. to do with your availability for Attendance. a public speech. No. You know? And it's such an it's to me it's just such an overreaction to a once once ever at this point, once ever phenomenon. He's the only one, I believe, since they started doing the induction to be alive and not attend. Matt And you know what? Is, That's that. Is this a this time it counts? We've had a tie in the All Star game. It so. almost feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a good that's a good comparison. Yeah, it's an overreaction to one thing that people don't like and people are uncomfortable about, and that most but, people don't care about. No, they don't. Like I don't. I mean, here's the thing: the Hall of Famers, I guess, are all worked up. You know, apparently this is emanating from the players themselves that are in the Hall of Fame. Don't pay attention to him. I mean, you know, you like, didn't do it for his whole career. That was his point. Right. Right, right. You know, uh, you know. Look, the, did he make it about himself? Of course he did. That's what he did his whole career. I mean, yes, that's what he is. But he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and he should have been in two years ago. Um, you know, he says, of course, it wasn't about that. I don't believe that. I mean, I think he's a born liar. Um, you know, but but he should have been in. And if he wants to take a stand and not be there, then that's his right. Uh, you know, the media doesn't have to pay attention to it. But they did. They made it the story. So, like, that's unfortunate. But, I, like, yeah, I just don't – I don't think that it needs to be something that we change policy for. That's a great comparison that you make. Um, and, one, you know, because I've even thought about, like, okay, I know there have been other examples of things like this. But that's a perfect one. You know, one, one all-star game that ends in a tie because the teams run out of pitchers and oh my god we got to change the whole thing and make it count for the home field it was a disaster it was stupid finally they've had the common sense to get rid of it the last couple of years so that's an excellent comparison and, and yeah I, I definitely think that's a dumb idea i just think the hall of fame on honest to goodness i watched the clips espn showed me of mm-hmm. speeches and that was it. I didn't, you know. Right. Me too. Me too. I, I didn't watch it. The, the moment is for the player who's being sure. inducted, and that's it. And, and so on some level, if T.O. thinks that that moment is best served by yeah. him generating publicity by doing this, fine. This is the same guy who went right. on MTV's Champs versus Stars. <laughs> you know? Exactly, yeah. Like, it's the same guy who took a you know Sharpie out of his cleat and signed a football to make it all about him. And the same guy who who danced with the cheerleaders to make it all about him. The same guy who posed on the Cowboys star. This is what he was. You knew what he was. You shouldn't be surprised and it shouldn't offend you. This is, this is who he is. And you don't have to like it and you don't have to condone it, but you didn't condone or like the other crazy things he did. Right. So just, 
but he still deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Well, and that's, you know, you know that's the whole thing about, like, the reverse of this is guy, a guy like Bonds, who they yeah. don't let in. It's like, he he is the all-time home run leader. He was right. hitting 50 home runs a year in his 40s, and right. no one could pitch to him. It, right. You know? Right. Well, and, and see, it's it's you bring that up, and I even thought, when I heard about this suggestion of this rule, I thought... This is this is the first step in the slippery slope to saying we're going to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame a character test. You know they need to they need to attend. Well, if you start, that's bringing in off the field stuff. And the Pro Football Hall of Fame has made it very clear over the years we're not factoring in off the field stuff. We're just judging them on what they were as football players, which is how it should be. And well, because and I just think if you're is, if you're going to do this, take away OJ's bus. Right. Just take it away. You know, then. And, and, and I hate doing that because, again, you know, so we're going to have this litmus test on character. Well, we don't really know these guys' characters. We like to think we do. We like to think that, you know, Brian Urlacher's this great guy. And maybe he is. I don't know. But just watching him play football for 15 years, I don't know. Well, and none of the and, media does either. And, uh, I mean, we you just know, don't. I, I hate to be the guy who keeps banging this drum, but did we look at the rest of the class? How about right. Ray Lewis? Ray Lewis, exactly. You yeah. know, yeah. like I, yeah. I know the NFL now, protects him. I read that column that that guy from SI wrote. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah, very. Um, uh, you know, now again, Ray Lewis deserves to be a Hall of Famer At, no for, for his on-field performance. Right. Absolutely, but if we start yes. talking about how you are off the field, right. you know, where do we well, draw the line? Well, or yeah. how about like if we want to go? Let's leave aside whatever happened in Atlanta with Ray Lewis. Uh-huh. How about? During his playing career, Michael Irvin or Deion Sanders? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Both Hall of Famers. Comfortably Hall of Famers. bad characters. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. brash and self-promoting and all oh, the things sure. we don't like about T.O. is exactly what prime time is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Made it about himself. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, um, you know, left teams in in bad terms as T.O. did many times, as Brandy Moss did almost every time he left, and he was the first ballot Hall of Famer. So, yeah, I mean, it, the easiest way to judge these guys is just based on how they are as football players, and that's what football has done so well compared to basketball, who over puts guys in and has so many people in the Hall of Fame that they've almost they've watered down the meaning of it, and baseball, which has made it a character test. Um, to the point where now you've got some of the greatest players ever that are not in. Football has found the happy medium, I think, to making it exclusive based on your playing and and doing something where, oh, if you don't commit to attend, we're not going to vote on you is idiotic. And I hope, I hope it's one of those stories that just, you know, the fans, the, you know, the flames are fans and they just kind of die out because we forget about this. We moved on to the next thing and it never happens. That's, that's my sincere hope of, of how this ends. I don't care about it, I, no, quite honestly. No. I, I mean, it makes no difference. If you don't want to be there, don't be there. That's more time for the other people. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, Ray Lewis uh, gave like a thirty-five minutes. Thirty speech. minutes, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Surprised it didn't go longer than that. Um, you know, with how much he loves to hear his own voice. So, yeah. I mean, look, I, I, uh, I plan on attending the Hall of Fame induction in three years if Peyton Manning gets in, as I expect. Um, never been there before. I want to go for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you, you know, like you said, most, I have never watched an entire hall of fame induction. Never. 
I've watched some speeches live. Most often I just watch parts of it later, you know, something like that. Um, you know, it's for the players. It's for the fans who were there. It's for their families, stuff like that. Um, if they don't want to go, then, then they don't want to go. I mean, it's, it's a free country, as they say. Uh, you know, like, it's your choice. You don't want to be there, don't be there. Who cares? Well, and the highlights of the weekend really aren't the speeches, you know? No, exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's um, yeah, I mean, the speeches are too long. The ceremony lasts like four or five hours. It's, you know, it's ridiculous, really. Um, they've already cut back, you know, by not having the presenters talk too. Um, but yeah, it, they, they are, I mean, it's a bloated ceremony. And so taking one guy out who probably would have talked for 25, 30 minutes cause he loves himself and you know, yeah, great. And, and you know, his whole thing of I'm taking a stand for a future guy. Come on, come on, man. Like if you want to not go, just don't go. But he is, he's as, as disingenuous as they come. Yeah. I, I don't love I, I it's rationalizing and, and you know you're entitled it to is. do that but yeah, it is. yeah 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 I mean that's but again this is Terrell Owens has been forever it's always been about Terrell Owens more than it's been about anybody else and and you know but you're right it was about Deion Sanders more than it was about anybody else uh it was about Ray Lewis more than I mean god you talk about a self-promoter my god he was one of the best uh, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is just, we're going to have more of them like that. Uh, they, you know, T.O. won't be the last. That is where we're going to have to leave it here. Hopefully this will tide all of you over for the next, uh, couple weeks or so. Couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll be back. We're going to give you some NFL preview stuff and then we'll do the ASU game by game as we head into September 1st and the first game of the ASU season. That's right. That's right. Yes. By the time we we come back to this, we'll be within about 10 days, I think, of the opener. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.